Hey, good morning, Redemption. It's good to good morning. Good morning. Keep going. I want to keep going with you. I want to make it happen. Uh, hey, if this is your first time here, my name is Ricardo. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this is a unique Sunday for us, uh, unique in the sense that we have been going through a six-week series. This is week six. Uh, we've been retelling the story of what God has been doing here in Redemption and uh, also being a part of a vision uh, campaign in which we are raising money uh, for us to have complete ownership of this congregation, as, of this campus, this building, as well as some renovation for our children's ministry and some other things around the campus. And uh, we've been talking of different topics like ownership and discipleship, uh, we, what it means to be be a generous congregation, and it all comes down to this week, uh, which we're going to talk about what does it mean to be sent. And so the scripture that we just, we just heard uh, read, and then the video in itself points to now uh, uh, the picture there of one of our, of our uh, Tempe women here. Uh, they're looking over Tempe, and, uh, and, and that's it. And how do we, how we live as sent people in the community around us to embody the good news of Jesus? And so a little different, we're just going to look at three pictures of Jesus. Instead of walking through one text, there's three pictures of Jesus in the way that he was sent and how we can be sinned. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to meet me at John chapter 20. We'll start there. Uh, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 20. Hold your spot there. Um, If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and one of the interns will be able to get you a copy of uh, God's Word. If you don't own a Bible, please keep the copy that we're handing out to you so that you can have a Bible, you can read it, um, and uh, learn how to grow in the ways and understanding of Christ. Um, as you turn and hold your spot there, I have a few announcements. First announcement is we have First Wednesdays this upcoming Wednesday. And um, if you've never been to a First Wednesday, I believe this is one that you'll want to be at. Um, and I, I know you're, you say that every week because I think all of them you want to be at. Um, and this one in particular is on career and calling. We're talking about how does the gospel of Jesus Christ um, affect us as we understand what it means to be ministers of the gospel and, and, and word and deed in the workplace. What does God think about work? Um, and so we're going to have Jim Mullins is going to come. He's going to facilitate and lead that night. Uh, this is one of his wheelhouses, meaning one of the things he's passionate about is talking about vocation as ministry. Um, more than just the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, but to think of the intrinsic value that God has within work. And so um, Jim's going to teach that night. We're going to have some food. We're going to have a panel of people that ranges from um, a stay-at-home mom to someone who oversees and owns restaurants to a gal in our congregation who is uh, pursuing her Ph.D. primarily through the work of... um, the sex slave trafficking industry that's here, that, um, how to address those needs. Um, there's going to be people who started uh, companies that, that, that make apps. And just it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of time for us to engage and understand what does it look like to be a Christian in the marketplace, which is what majority of us do. And so we're excited about that. Um, as a follow-up to that, we're going to have a class. Um, one of the things we started to do at First Wednesdays is, you know, we get a conversation started, and there's usually tons of questions, and people want to go a little bit deeper in that particular topic. And so we are going to do that in a class that Jim Mullins is also going to teach beginning next Sunday, and it's called A Theology of Work. Uh, again, a theology of work. It's going to be uh, next Sunday, and you can sign up for that. It's going to be during one of the services. You can sign up at redemptionaz.com. Um, go to classes here in Tempe, and then you can register. If you have children, you can register for your, your, your children. There will be child care uh, provided for that as well. So again, uh, first Wednesdays, this Wednesday coming up, and then we'll have the So What classes of theology of work uh, following that. Um, so if, again, that's all we have for our time. If you have your Bibles, we are in... John chapter 20, Um, and what I wanted to be able to do before we jumped into this week's message is just kind of recap 
um, what, what, we've, uh, what we've seen and what we've walked through in this series. Um, week one, we talked about ownership. And we start off by retelling our story, and we've told some funny stories from people who have been around here and uh, Redemption and the many different buildings that we've worshipped together as a family and um, just some interesting stories of people trying to drink out of the communion bowl when we weren't supposed to do that. Um, just a lot of fun stories. And there's some stories that we've been able to see in the last two years that I thought were equally as unique. Um, some of my highlights in the past two years being a part of this congregation is I went to a wedding uh, that was just beautiful. It was a, it was a man at, at our congregation was marrying a, a woman, and uh, the, the gal had a kid, and in the wedding, not only were they they're getting married to each other, but there was also the signing of the papers of the adoption that this, this, this guy was going to be the father of this kid, and I'm, I'm just telling you that there was not a dry eye in that, in that room, and uh, just a, a moment like that was just really special. Um, other moments of listening to people who you all have um, shared the gospel with that were not believers in Jesus Christ, that have become Christians, that are now like serving and a part of things and a part of ministry here and ministry in the city, uh, people who are being baptized, like th- those are all special moments, and um, just seeing God work through the life of our church, and um, one of the things that we were able to do, just kind of retelling the story, is um, for those of you who weren't here, um, two years ago, I got here January of 2011, is when I first came from the Gilbert campus to Tempe, and I was uh, a campus pastor. That was a role that we had at that moment. Uh, Justin Anderson was the lead pastor here, and um, six months into that first year that I was here, he decided to, that God was calling him to go and start ministry in San Francisco, and that he would transition the church to me, um, which was at, at its time, was, I was excited about it, and still am excited about it. I shouldn't just say at that time. I'm still excited about it. Um, but it was a big task. I mean, just six months previous to that, I was a high school pastor. So I went from stuffing marshmallows in the kids' mouths to saying, I'm going to lead a church, right? <laughs> Somewhat true, right? And so there, there, was, there was a sense of, Lord, what are you going to do in and through us? And, um, and there's a lot of transitions happening. And um, we went away to San Diego as a team. And at the time, our team consisted full-time of myself, uh, Jason Raber, and Tim Anderson. Uh, Ryan Arneson was a lay elder here, meaning at the time, he was not fully paid. He wasn't on a full time. And we were just praying for God to do some things. We, Garth, who was our worship leader, he was leaving to go to law school. And we were looking for a worship leader, which God brought David Blakeman. And um, while we were there in San Diego, there, there was a great time of prayer, a great time of just confessing our need for the Lord, um, going around, talking about each other's strengths and weaknesses, just wanted to be transparent before the Lord. And we wrote some things down that we knew were need to address. Like, Lord, we need you to do something something. Um, part of that is we wanted to know, we didn't want to be nomadic people anymore. Like we didn't want to just be at different buildings and especially because the nature of a transition that people wanted consistency and we wanted consistency that you all had saw the primary preacher and leader of the church leave and then the new guy come in that we didn't want to also be moving from one building to the next and we prayed for God to get us a space to meet and God answered that prayer and giving them this, this property and we were able to purchase this property as a church. Um, we, were, we were saying for help, like we needed people to help disciple and shepherd the people. And, and so um, we thought, I mean, I thought, shows my faith, that we would um, dip in attendance pretty significantly and also in giving. And so we wouldn't be able to hire people. Um, but the opposite happened. And so we were able to bring on Ryan Arneson. When, and many of you know Ryan. Ryan is an awesome guy, a great pastor, a great, a great father, a great husband, and shepherds a lot of people. And so having him on full, full time personally has been amazing. And then also with that, Jim Mullins, who you guys all know Jim. Jim comes on stage and he, he usually does the response time and the call to worship in the beginning. And um, 
having those guys been able to come on and be a part of the team in Tempe were all prayers that we were praying and for us to do more ministry and start more communities and um, continue to be more engaged in the culture around us um, as we were transitioning as a church, and God's answered all those things. And so as we entered into the series, we entered into with a great deal of confidence, not because of what we are able to do, um, hear me, but because we've been able to look at what God did for the first eight years, what he was doing in and through us that we can trust. You know what? And we say this with all confidence. God cares more about this church than we could ever care. And we, he can move us and somebody else can come in and he'll lead that, those people as well. And God cares more about the city of Tempe than we can ever care. So all we want to do is say, how do we join in in what God is already doing? And how do we continue to build upon what God is already doing? And so that's what these six weeks have been about, of what does it mean to have ownership? Right? So week one, we said, we want people to transition from saying, um, this is the church they attend to Redemption Tempe is my church. There's ownership there, um, the responsibility for each other's lives, to be with one another, to pray for one another, care for one another. And then week two, we looked at apprenticeship. Um, what does it mean to be discipled? What does it mean to follow Jesus and to disciple people and for people to be discipled? And we called you all. I, I called all of you guys who were older in our ministry, older meaning 35 and older, as uh, older people. And, 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 you know, 18 of you that all, all over 35 were like, yeah, we're, we're excited about that and, and jumped into it. And so now we're seeing people getting connected, uh, older people and younger people, which is amazing. And, and we talked about what does it mean to be generous? Um, and the meetings that we've had, um, just the emails we've had of people who are saying um, what I'm going to be able to do, not just to contribute to the capital campaign, but in my own heart, um, how I want to be a generous person in giving has been nothing short of just evidence of God's grace. Uh, we talked about what does it mean to be an eclectic community over the next years to reach out to people who are not like us, to see them um, grow in the name of Jesus. And then last week, we talked about reliance. How's we go forward? we got to depend on God's word and God's people and God's spirit. And today we wrap up in looking um, at Jesus' words to his disciples in John chapter 20. As he says, the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And what does it look like for us to be sent? And so what we're going to do is, um, is take a short time. And I said short, and last, week, last hour went really long. So take a shorter time than last hour. And we'll look at three pictures of Jesus and how he was sent and how we, in response to the gospel um, and his strength, are sent into our community. We are sent into the marketplace. We are sent into the world to embody this good news. The one way is proclamation. The second picture is demonstration, how we, we live out uh, kingdom values, primarily through serving people. So proclamation, demonstration. And the last one is presence, how we're with people, uh, broken people, and broken places, and broken times. So we'll start first in John chapter 20, um, beginning in verse John chapter 20, beginning in verse 20. Um, and here's, here's, here's the context here. Uh, Jesus has just been resurrected. Um, he walks into the room that his disciples, they've locked the door. They're praying. Um, they're, one, they're wondering what happened to Jesus. They're not even sure if he's been resurrected. Um, and then here's, here's what Jesus begins to say. Looks like I keep going to Acts chapter 20. Here's what Jesus begins to say to them. He says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed 
on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so here's a picture. You, you have Jesus here. Um, he walks into this room or somehow he just appears into the room because the doors are locked and, and they see Jesus and they, he shows them the, the holes of the nails that had gone through his hands to show, hey, it's happened. Uh, the resurrection have, has happened. And so the mission of God has continued, which God's mission was to come into this world and rescue and renew uh, all of creation in the work and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Uh, meaning Jesus came to fulfill all that God had brought him to fulfill. And even on the cross, Jesus says, it's finished. Meaning everything that needs to happen for every single person in this room and every single man, every single woman in this world that would ever believe in Jesus Christ, what is needed for them to enter into the kingdom and as well to grow into the kingdom has happened in Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus says, I've done my part. However, the mission of God is something that continues Meaning, though Jesus has done his part, he's ascended up to heaven, he sits at the right hand of the Father, he intercedes for us, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And though he, in his weird will, decides to send men and women like you and I to embody this mission that other men and women would know about God, know about his kingdom, know about his purposes, know about his plan, um, understand what it means to know God and to be known by God, to be free and have life abundantly. And God says, here's how I'm going to continue my mission. I'm going to do it with ordinary people that I'm going to give my Holy Spirit with. And, and Jesus says, now, as the Father has sent me, your turn. I'm sending you. That God the Father, we see God has this mission of which he sends, and he sends Jesus. And then Jesus says, I'm going to send you, but I'm not going to send you alone in your own strength. No, 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 no. It's going to be Christ's strength, and the way we receive that strength is by the Holy Spirit. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, which we talked about last week, and which we rely on him. And so what we want to look at again is just three pictures, three stories where we see ways in which Jesus is sent, and then ask ourselves and ask God prayers to send us um, in those same ways. And so the first way is proclamation. So if you're in John, turn to the left to Mark chapter 1, the gospel of Mark chapter 1. Um, what we have here is that the beginning of Mark, Jesus um, is... Mark writes that Jesus comes on the scene, 30 years old, and the first thing he says in verse 15 is, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. He comes in preaching. He comes in preaching, and after that, um, he calls his disciples, and he heals a man that's been uh, possessed with demons, and he heals more people. And what we pick up now in verse 35 uh, is interesting. When it comes to proclamation, Jesus understands what's important. Verse 35 says this, And rising very early in the morning... While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Um, we start here because we see Jesus, though he's, there's a lot of good things he could do. I mean, it says, he says, repent and believe. That's how we enter into the kingdom. He says, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is near, meaning the presence and reign of God is here through the proclamation of the gospel um, given the Holy Spirit. And then he begins to show signs of the kingdoms. He's casting out demons and he's healing people. And then it says, early in the morning, he goes to a, a, um, a desolate place. My guess is he's tired. He wants to be recharged. Um, it must be tiring to heal people and cast out demons. I've never done either. But for Jesus, he says he goes to a desolate place and he has communion with the Father. There's something special about this. That, that if we are going to be sent like Jesus and proclaim the gospel, that there needs to be communion with God. Meaning there, there are lots of things that can distract us. Good things. 
You see, when, when Simon or Peter came to Jesus, he's saying, listen, there's more healings to be done. We've been looking for you, Jesus. Where have you been? And Jesus is like, I've just been praying. And he goes, well, there's some more people that need to be healed, good things. And Jesus goes, no, 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 see, I've been praying. I've been in communion with my Father, and I know what I must do. I must go to the next city to preach to these people. That's not Jesus by any means saying he didn't care about sickness because we see throughout the gospel he cared about that. But he was saying what needs to happen is people need to understand good news. And the way that people were going to understand good news is that Jesus was going to proclaim it. And so as the Father sent Jesus, so now he's sending us. And so we have to have communion with God, deep intimacy with God, and ask God to talk to us, to speak to us, and tell us particular people in which he is calling us as individuals and corporately to share this good news with. One of the best days in our church, um, last Thursday, you know, we, we had a fast, and many of you were able to participate in that fast, and, um, and then many of us gathered, those of you who were able, we gathered on, on Friday night to pray and to, to break that fast with prayer. And um, I can't explain it, I really can't, but it was special. Um, I, I was sitting right over here, and, and David uh, were, were leading, leading, leading us through worship, through song on the floor, and Jim Mullins was leading us in prayer because he's the best prayer we have. Um, there's not a gift of prayer, but if there was, Jim has it. And um, th- there was just something special about it. And, and we, we, we collectively, we, we sensed in, in a very normal way. We, we heard the voice of God. Not audibly, that would have been amazing. But there was a, there was a sense of God just telling us, like, it's going to be okay. And then we knew that, but there was a sense of like during that communion, during that 24 hours where we were saying, Lord, we're not going to eat. I'm getting angry. I'm getting frustrated. My head hurts. Um, but but we, we reminded us just to, to, to remind us to pray to the Lord. And in that communion, it, it was clear. And me and Jim talked about it. Like, you know, it's one thing to get 200 people in a room for, for a dodgeball tournament, which is fun, and, and even for like a first Wednesdays. But when people just get together and pray, and we prayed for everyone in our congregation, we prayed for people in the city, uh, we just prayed. There, there was a sense of communion with the Lord that, that we just began to ask questions and to ask God questions of, Lord, okay, who are you sending us to? So when it comes to proclamation, we, we are called to preach the gospel. Redemption Tempe as a church will preach the gospel because it's good news. And the gospel in itself, as Paul says, is not something we're ever going to be ashamed of because it is the very power of God. It's not saying in it is power. It is the proclamation of the gospel is the very power of God that draws men and women to God, that, that takes a heart of stone and, and melts that heart. And everyone in this room that believes in Jesus, you, had, you, you, you know that. That's, that's why you're part of a church, is because God himself, through the proclamation of the gospel, he called you to himself. He washed you of your sins. He clothed you in his righteousness. He gave you, gave you his Holy Spirit that now everything that you do, can, you can do in and response to that good news. It, it wasn't just behavior modification. It wasn't just getting right with God. But Jesus um, got us right with God in his life and his death and his resurrection. So we proclaim that. And so the question that you, we're asking you to pray to the Lord as an individual and corporately is ask yourself or ask the Lord, who are you calling me to? Who, who is it in my family? Who is it in my neighborhood um, that as we are being sent, that I'm called, that, that should be a part of this church, does not know Jesus yet, but maybe in the course of this year, through my relationship, through my loving them, through my caring for them, um, that I, I can present in words the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to have a time later after the sermon, an extended time to be praying for them. Be thinking about those people. And, and if, you're, if you're anything like me and you need something visual, just take that card in front of you and just write their names down. If they're next to you, say, it's you. Sorry, right? 
um, that, that, that we're, just, we're just praying for. Um, I, I, and there's plenty of people in this city that we can reach. Um, I, I love sharing this story, story but it, it wasn't that long ago, you know, nine years, eight years, I don't know, ago that I was not a Christian. And I heard the gospel, like I've heard um, gospel presentations before, but they just kind of went over my head. It never went to my heart. But one particular time, there was a lady in my mom's prayer group um, that called me, and I don't know how she, well, I'm sure she got my number from my mom. If she got it from the Lord, it clearly was God calling her to call me. And so I get this phone call. I've never met this lady in my life. I never know what she looks like. And she goes, hey, um, God has laid it on my heart. And every time I heard that, I was like, oh, here we go. What do you want, right? And I was at the Alexon um, uh, apartment complex. They're not called the Alexon anymore. But, and I was just hanging out, and I'm like, all right, talk to me. Well, this lady begins to talk about the gospel. But for whatever reason, this time, like this particular time, she told me something that, that you've heard over and over again, um, but for whatever, this time, it just changed my life. And she says, you, you, you know that God loves you. And I'm like, yeah, I know God loves me. I heard that before. And she goes, yeah, you keep running from God. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm running from God. I'm pretty fast. And then she, 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 and she said, you know, no matter how fast you run or how hard you run from God, no matter how much you're distracted, like his love is going to find you. And you can either submit your life to him now, or he's going to, he's going to do whatever it takes to get your attention. So then I'm now listening, and, she, and then she said this, and you think, and, and she just spoke my, like, the, she just says, you think that your sin is too big for God. I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, when you really think your sin, like, just for whatever reasons, like, man, I've out God. Like, there's a, there's a quota, and I passed that. And, um, and she told me for the first time that God doesn't only forgive you of the things that you did, um, you know, in, in the past, but he's forgiven you now. And he even knows what you're going to sin, how you're going to sin, and the ways you're going to sin in the future. And yet through Christ, he already forgives you. Like that, for, for me, that changed. And I asked her, what do I do? And she just said, repent and believe. And I was like, what next? She goes, just repent and believe and fi- find people that know Jesus. It was as simple as that. And I, all I heard in that moment was that, that God loved me in a way that more than just a trite, God loves me, but God sent his son Jesus. And I've heard that before, but now I realize the gospel of Christ, and it was through words, right? It was through the proclamation of the, it was good news to me that, that I, I, I immediately ran to my friends, and I said, hey, my life's going to change. I'm going to be a different person. And, and they were like, what's wrong with you? And, I'm, and I, I can explain it. Um, and God began to do a work on me. Okay, that's my story. You all have similar stories whether it was when you were kids, whether you were at a camp, that, that somehow the Spirit of the Lord, um, through someone's proclamation of the gospel, God began to do something. And all we're saying is, that's the way Jesus was sent. That's the way we need to be sent. That, that whole, you know, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. People love that. I don't. Um, and they say Francis of Assisi said that. No one really knows if he really did. Um, I get the heart behind it, but listen, you can't preach the gospel without words. You can't preach the gospel without words. And so the first, the first thing we have is being sent is proclamation. We need to think about who are those people that we're praying for. And, um, and write them down on your Bible and, and just be praying, Lord, do something. Do something in this person's life. The, the second picture that we see is not so much Jesus communion with the Lord and saying, okay, I'm going to go to this city to preach. And we're saying, Lord, give us these people. The second is, is demonstration. I mean, not only did Jesus preach about the gospel of the kingdom and how he was going to restore all things in his life, death, and resurrection, but there was a certain embodiment of what it meant to live in the kingdom, that there's a certain posture of which we have. And if you're in Mark, just turn to the right a little bit to John chapter 13. And, and, and this picture that we have of Jesus is Jesus is himself is, uh, is washing his disciples' feet. 
And, and a very, very um, famous passage, meaning like you, you, you've, if you've been around service or been around church for any time, you've heard this. And the, the picture is that Jesus comes in and he, and he, he wraps a towel around himself and, and he kneels down and he, and he begins to, to wash like some dirty feet, right? And, and you've got to understand the context at this time is that they are walking around in sandals um, on dirt constantly. And so even though their bodies would be clean, their feet would just be nasty, right? And nasty feet. It doesn't say that in the scripture, but that, in Greek, that's what it means. Um, and, and, and so Jesus just begins to wash his feet. Now, masters, rabbis, people of leadership, people of influence, they never did that. There was usually a servant um, guy or servant girl when you walked in that they would wash your feet. But then Jesus does this, and he's, and he's showing something. He's showing his disciples not only proclamation, demonstration. And here's what he said. Let's pick up in verse 8 here. It says, and Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, which I've always loved that. Like Peter's like, no, you can never wash my feet, Jesus, never. He goes, man, if you don't, if I don't, man, if I don't wash these feet, man, you don't have any part of me. Not just my feet. I need a massage. Like, and he's just like, whatever it takes. <laughs> Verse 10, it says, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is completely clean, and you are clean, but not everyone. For he knew, that, he knew who was to betray him, and, that he, and he said this, not all, not all are clean. Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Jesus is saying, I'm going to use something that's very common and that's very lowly. So he gives a picture um, in their particular day um, of what it meant to serve. And and that example was more than just we're just supposed to wash people's feet. Um, um, I don't know if you guys have ever done that before. You've ever washed people's feet. It's a very awkward deal. Um, I was a young Christian doing what a lot of young Christians do, just stuff that um, you probably would never do again and you're embarrassed to say. I invited all my friends over. You know where this is going. And I said, take off your shoes. Why? Just take off your shoes. <laughs> I put on my swimming trunks. I came out, and I said, I'm going to wash your feet. My boy was like, dog, you were not touching my feet. I said, no, you don't understand. Hey, the most awkward position I've ever been in. They're not my friends anymore. So hear me on this. Jesus is not explicitly saying that when your friends come over, you say, no, I must do this. Uh, <laughs> It's a picture. It's an example. So we proclaim God's word, but we live out his word. And the way we demonstrate it is is, uh, Tyler, who was here last week, um, said something that I thought was profound. And and he was talking about kingdom. How do we live out the kingdom? And what are the attributes of the king? And so we look at the king Jesus. and, And so we understand as we demonstrate, we need to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all the attributes of God. And then he didn't talk about, okay, how you demonstrate the kingdom, how we individually and collectively do this, um, as we think about what the new heavens and new earth will be like. 
And he said, so, 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 so much, we have food's going to taste good there, um, good drink's going to be good there, I'm going to have a more of ability to do this, a more of ability to do that. And he says, um, the kingdom of God, it's, since it's about the king and how we will live in the kingdom of God, and therefore we can live out those values now, it's not so much about getting stuff, but it's more about the ability, and the, the, have more of ability to serve. Because when we look at the king, what Jesus is about is about serving, so when we get to the, when the, when the kingdom is fully restored and, and we have the new heavens, the new earth, it will not be so much about the things that we will get, but the ability and the desire to constantly seek the need of the other. And that's exactly what Jesus was showing here, was saying, listen, I know I'm a teacher. And he goes, you're right, I am. But listen, you're not greater than me. And, and guess what I'm doing? I'm washing feet. And so we need to pray and ask God, okay, Lord, where are you calling me to serve? And what am I willing to give up? Um, sometimes it's reputation, sometimes it's time. Um, you're going to have to give up something to say, my posture is going to be that of a servant. And hear me, not just in an event, not just signing up and saying, I'm going to serve for a couple months here. I'm going to be in the children's ministry. Like, no, I'm going to serve and take responsibility of the men and women in my church. And not only that, because we said the church is the only institution that not only exists for itself and its members, but even those who are not its members, meaning where am I serving outside of the, the, my context of my church? How, how am I a servant in my work, and my job? Do, do people see me as someone who's there to serve them, even though I may be their boss? I'm their employer. I, I, I run things here, but how do I serve them? And what does it look like in your family? So husbands, um, when you come home from work and you've worked really hard, are you a servant at home? If you're anything like me, you know it's hard. I, I get home from work, and I walk in the house, and I, for whatever reason, I would never say this, but I think my wife and my two kids are there for me. And I walk in, I said, I'm home, right? And I sit down, and I want to watch the fifth episode of Shark Tank again and again and again. And, and, and it's usually questions like, hey, hey, Holly, can you get me? Hey, Noah, run in the, uh, and I'm just asking for things like, hey, serve me. No. Husbands, do we go home and we look, okay, what are ways to serve my wife? I say this all the time. It's, in my household, I usually know, and it usually consists of me taking the boys and, and, and getting them out of my wife's way because she needs to recharge, and, and they need her to recharge, or they may not be here anymore. <laughs> and so that, 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 that is serving. And, and wives, it's, it's, it's how do I serve my husband and my kids if I have kids? It's, it's singles. How, how do I serve my roommates? So it happens in the home. It happens in the marketplace that, that our posture is ser servant. Just, just imagine this. Imagine as a church that we were known, not only that we completely talk orthodox, true, biblical, good news of Jesus, but also that our demonstration was, was, was um, consistent with that, that we just serve people just to serve them. Like, no, 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 no gimmicks, no, hey, we did this so that we can share the gospel with you. You, you see what I'm saying? What, I, what I'm saying with that, it's, it's a sense of just saying, no, we really just want to serve you. We, we, we looked at our Savior, and he says that he didn't come to be served, and he served us with his life, and he gave himself on the cross. And so all we're doing now, we believe that the kingdom has come, and, and therefore we realize that no matter where we are, that we're there to serve. We're not weak. We're not doormats. We're not going to walk all over us, but we are going to serve you. And we're going to give up things, time, money, energy to, to, to serve you. And, and whether you believe in Jesus or not, I, I, that's why I love watching Jesus' life. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm doing this you know, so that now you can come listen to me give my testimony, right? We've all been at things like that. Um, think about this. Proclamation and demonstration have to go together. And it's not so much just so that you say, I'm going to demonstrate the gospel and do good deeds in order that people may say, okay, now I want to hear your gospel. We do it regardless. Now, if they want to hear the, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to tell them. We don't separate those two. Um, let, me, let me 
painted in a negative way. You guys all know what it's like to be a part of a pyramid scheme. Your friend calls you, oh, I haven't talked in a long time. Man, I can't wait to see you. And you get together and you realize, wait, what's going on here? He goes, listen, this is how it works, right? If you get three people under you, three plus three plus. I mean, you're just going like, wait a minute, because you're going to be rich. And it's like, oh, man, another drink, right? <laughs> like another energy drink. And you, you're, you're upset because they gave you this good food. And all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, you want me a part of your, you got me, right? We do that as Christians a lot. That we say, oh, no, 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 it's just a dodgeball tournament right? Oh, no, 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 it's just food. And then they get there, and then it's like, oh, here's John, and John's going to give you his testimony, and he's going to tell you about eternal salvation, which, trust me, we want to talk about that. But we're not doing the bait and switch, right? We serve just to serve. We share the gospel because people really need good news. We are people who embody good news in a place that just only sees bad news. And, and, And we serve in response to that good news, and we're just becoming servants in all areas of life. And so we're asking ourselves the question, Lord, um, help me repent where I'm constantly looking at myself and I'm robbing myself from even the joy that God gives us because our greatest joy is living in response to Jesus um, by the Spirit as he lived, which he said is better to give than to receive. And so we have proclamation in which we proclaim the good news and there's demonstration in which our posture is servant and we serve people. The, the last picture that we have of Jesus that I want you to see is um, it's in John chapter 8. So just turn over to the, to the right here. And this last one, it's it's proclamation, demonstration. This is presence. This is just being with people, right? You you know, sometimes there's moments where you need to share the gospel and you need to speak explicitly into people's lives about the good news of Jesus. And there's moments where you're going to serve and you're going to just be a demonstration that people would go, man, you know what? We're not really sure we believe all that you believe, but we're glad that you guys are here because you you honestly care about this place. Um, And you care about this place because of this Lord and Savior you believe in. And then sometimes there's people, they just want you to be there. Like, sometimes our presence matters because we are a conduit of God's grace. And so being with people, not, not that we ourselves are trying to answer every question. One, we can answer every question that people have. And, and we need to learn and have, here's two words, discernment and wisdom. Discernment and wisdom and saying, God, how do we act in these circumstances, especially when God has called us to broken people in broken places at broken times? And hear me, I'm not just talking about people who are not a part of our church, because guess what? We have broken people in broken places at broken times that are believers in Jesus. Um, We are all there at one moment, and so it's our presence and being with people, and then people who are not uh, a part of the church, that just to be with people in those times and places. And this picture here is is Jesus, um, who's trying, he's about to be tricked, or trying to be tricked, by the Pharisees and the scribes about a woman who's caught in adultery. Verse 1 says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, placing her in the, in, in the midst. And he said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Well, what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down, and he wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, here, here, Here's what's happening here. Um, this woman's brought in. You've got to understand the scene. This woman's brought in. Jesus is teaching, and the Pharisees and the scribes, these are like the religious people. Like, they know the law, and they said, hey, Jesus, this is truth. You said you're about truth. It says that people like this that do things like this, they should be stoned. And so they brought the woman here, and the picture is probably these older men who are around. They got stones in their hand. They're about to stone this lady. She's, she's um, hooking up with some other woman's wife, and, um, and uh, 
man, husband, and um, <laughs> she's probably married too, and, um, and, and they said she should be stoned. That's what Moses' law, that's what the law says. And before Jesus says anything, right, what we normally do is, like, we love truth, and we should. Um, he doesn't just speak an answer, but his presence matters most in this story. And, and what he does first is, presumably this woman is probably weeping, thinking her life is over. You know what it's like to get caught when you're guilty? You, I mean, there was, no, there was no, Jesus doesn't go to this woman and say, hey, um, that wasn't probably the best thing to do. I think she knows that. I mean, he doesn't go to this woman and say, hey, did you, did you think that was your husband maybe? Was there like a mis, you know, did you, oops, not you, right? I mean, like, he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't even say anything yet. It says that he kneels down, presumably right next to this woman, and then he begins to, like, doodle in the sand. And, and many people are like, what did he write? What did Jesus do? Like, I wish we can find the etch-a-sketch that has Jesus's. And it's, no, we don't even know what he wrote. We have no idea. And so we're not going to presume to know what he, what, he, what he wrote. However, what we do know that he got near to that woman. Like, here is a broken person. I'm in a broken place at a broken time. Um, yeah, yeah, well, you can say yeah, it was her fault. Yeah, it was. But here's Jesus who understands, yeah, it is her fault. And yes, she deserves to be stoned, but he draws near to her. His presence, he, he probably hears her weeping. She probably can, can sense his breath. She, of all people, is the only one who knows what he, what he really wrote. And I don't know what it was. But then here's Jesus' response to the religious. Um, Jesus continues and he says this, let him who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. He gives them privilege. For, he goes, hey, you know what? You're right. Throw the stone. But let the first one be the one who's without sin. And, and so he looks at them and he says, you, you're looking at this woman and you're looking at her situation and you're right. But you're not looking at your own heart. And so one, he has presence there and presence has in mind not just being in places, but while you're there, before you say anything, that you're discerning and asking for God's wisdom. How do I move in this circumstance? Because this is not normal. And it says one by one, the oldest, the, younger, the youngest, they just drop the stones. They're like, dang it, he got us again. Like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus got us again. And then he looks at the woman. Um, in verse 10, it says, and Jesus stood up and he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go from now and sin no more. So in, in, in the presence, it's not that Jesus is not going to bring truth. It's not that Jesus is not going to bring grace, but he's not quick to just say, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Or he's not quick to say, just go, just go. He's, no, he just, he just, let me just have my presence here and figure it out. When we talk about what does it mean to be missional, what does it mean to engage, what does it mean to be sent, that there will be moments and circumstances in our own life and the members of our church and people outside of our church that we can clearly go, yeah, that's wrong. Um, that's wrong what has happened to you, and that's wrong what you're doing, but we're not just immediately quick to move. But we want to get near, we want to understand, we want them to know our compassion and our love for them. We want to be present with them and ask and pray for God's wisdom to discern how to move forward. And Jesus, Jesus shows us here. And what's interesting about the story that I love is Jesus is like, listen, everyone who's without sin, you can go out and throw the stone. He's the only one there without sin. And he looks at the woman and says, look it, no one condemns you and neither do I. Meaning I'm the one who can condemn you. And that's because Jesus knows what he's about to do. He knows that he came for women like that. He knows that he came for people like you and I. He came from people in our city. 
And that though we have done things in this world that are completely ludicrous and they're completely outside of his will and things have been done with us that Jesus himself gives us his presence, he gives us his flesh, he gives us his spirit and he knows he's going to go to the cross and he's going to take literally the stone for us in order that we may be welcomed into his community. And so those of us who are good news people in response to the gospel, we look for stories like that. We look for people like that and we want to embody truth and grace. But first and foremost, we have to be near them. So we don't just proclaim the gospel at a distance. We don't just throw out CDs or tracts. Um, we, we demonstrate it, but we don't just demonstrate in order to say, look at us. We do it to say, look at him. And then we get close in our presence. Meaning majority of the ministry that will happen, a part of Redemption Church, will not be at this building. Majority of the ministry will be in your neighborhoods. The majority of the ministry should be at your workplaces, should be in your families, should be in your social networks. The majority of the ministry happens through the people of God as they are equipped with the gospel of Jesus Christ to be God's people, to be sent in the same way that Jesus was sent, and we bear the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are, we are um, why don't you go ahead and close your Bibles? We're going to do something a little different today as we close. We're going to pray. And... Um, I'm just not going to pray, and, and you guys pray with me. You're going to pray. And um, I want to acknowledge that sometimes that could be awkward, but we don't care. Um, if you're here and you're like, I'm not comfortable praying out loud, don't pray out loud. You don't have to. You guys can actually just pray silently. But what I want to do is I want to give you some time to, to just even ask God those questions. Lord, who are you calling me to share the gospel with? Like, just to speak Jesus to. Think about names. Think about people. Um, and even be thinking about ways in which you want to do it in a very normal, natural way through your relationships. And the second one is serve. Lord, what am I willing to risk? Like, what's getting in the way of me just being a servant? And then the, and the last one is, is, is Lord, how do, how do I, t- show me the places and the people that you want me to be near. Give me the wisdom and the discernment when I'm with them, how to point them to Jesus. We don't have an answer. Jesus is, we, we, in ourselves, we don't have to have the answer because Jesus truly is the answer that we can point them to Jesus and disciple them. Um, and then I'm going to let you guys just pray for a while. Then I'll come back, and I'll give you some more topics to be praying for. We're going to take an extended time and pray, and after that we'll have our offering, and we'll take some communion together, and we'll pray, and we'll sing, and we'll, we'll celebrate. Um, so why don't you guys just go ahead and bow your heads. And if you're with somebody, you want to pray the person with you, go ahead and pray. The band will be playing a little bit. Um, and and if, you, if you, for whatever reason, say, I'm not really comfortable with praying right now, that's okay. But we're going to take this time and say, God, we need you. And uh, we want your spirit to show up. So go ahead and be, be praying, and I'll come back in just a second.